Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. listening to the best of the Roto Experts in the morning. One of the things a lot of people were saying, Scott, was that this opens up the door for a guy like DeMarco Murray. A guy like DeMarco Murray who, you know, didn't want to try out for the Saints because he was looking for a, posi- a place where he could really be that lead running back. Well, guess what, Scotty? He ain't going to be a lead running back anywhere. It looks like DeMarco Murray announcing his retirement after like seven or eight seasons out of Oklahoma. Had good years for, you know, the Titans, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. This uh, further reduces the options for a team like the Bills and the free agent pool. Uh, did this news surprise you, Scotty? A little bit, but I, I guess if you're going to say go to Buffalo or retire, you know, maybe yeah. you'll, take, you'll take retirement. But uh, it, it did take me a little by surprise because I, 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 think, I think, you know, Murray was a guy, you know, had that great 2014 with the, uh, with the Cowboys. Nice. Not too far removed from it. Uh, you know, did show, show signs of playing well when he's healthy, but Murray's career was kind of always up and down because of his health. But I felt like he still had he still had some ability left. So, uh, look, you know, maybe the right offer could bring him out of retirement. Maybe this is not this is not final. You can always uh, you can always uh, rescind your retirement papers. From what I know, I will say that one angle that has not been considered. That I heard out of Green Bay. Now, Aaron Jones is suspended right. for two games. But when he returns, I think the Packers are real comfortable with Jamal Williams is what, what I heard one of the beat writers call their sledgehammer. Okay. And Aaron Jones complimenting him, breaking up big plays. Now, NFL trades very rarely happen during the season. Right. But before the suspension, there was there was some talk that – that the Packers might be looking to move Ty Montgomery because he's down in the pecking order if he played a wide receiver. He's down in the pecking order if he played a running back, and maybe they could get something for him. The Aaron Jones suspension kind of threw a wrench in that, but I think there's other avenues that this team can go. Very rarely do you see trades in the NFL, but they do happen. So I think somebody who might be playing running back for the Buffalo Bills, you know, we may not even have identified him yet. That's very interesting. We talked about 
that Green Bay backfield. We know about Aaron Jones uh, missing the first two games because of what is not a PED suspension, but is a substance abuse suspension. Interesting that Ty Montgomery would play like that passing kind of role. Maybe he could be an interesting complement to a guy like Chris Ivory or a guy like Shane McCoy if he is there. We will obviously keep our eyes throughout the offseason as training camps get started um, yeah. this and next week. Scotty, I think there's even a team Guys are gonna report this week. Guys are going to get cut, and you know the Bills will look to the waiver wire. But if they want someone more prominent, which I can't blame them because you can't trust Chris Ivory. You know, I I think a trade is on the horizon. Now look, there's talk at a Jets camp that Thomas Rawls might not make the team. Yeah, now maybe he ends up a Buffalo Bill. Yep, I was going to ask you about just that, Scotty. You know, <clears throat> talking about my J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. We've talked about, uh, at least I have with Jake Remedial Sealy. spelling exercises. In that's the right, that's right. Um, we've talked about their wide receiver room before the Jets. Like, there's literally something like 14 guys still on the wide receiver roster right now. Everyone from, you know, you got Robbie Anderson, you have Quincy Anunua, you have Curse, you have uh, Terrell Pryor, who they went out and got. You have a lot of young kids like Hanson or Darius Stewart. They even have guys like Lucky Whitehead on their roster. So we've talked about the wide receivers, but their running back room. Their running back room is interestingly crowded as well, Scott. You know, they bring in Isaiah Crowell. They maintain having boom, boom, Bilal, pow, pow. Elijah McGuire kind of flashed at very short periods of time last year as that kind of like PPR pass-catching Tariq Cohen model. We talk, You mentioned Thomas Rawls as well. How do you think the Jets' backfield shakes out? It's shaping up to be one of your big-time committees, Scott. Do you think Rawls makes the roster bubble? Uh, I think it's going to be tough for him. You know, yeah. it's... Thomas Rawls' problem was that he always ran bigger than his size. Like, you know, he goes 5'9", less than 2'10", and he tries to run like he's 6'2", 240. Right. And he, he gets hurt a lot. And last year playing behind a bad offensive line, but also, you know, Chris Carson running behind the same offensive line at times looked a lot better. You know, Rawls had that big breakout stretch in 2015 yep. and <clears throat> suffered a big injury. Uh, I think he's got to be in the right situation. I don't know if the Jets are the right situation for him. I think Isaiah Crowell is definitely the lead runner there, and uh, Bilal Powell can complement him. And then they have Elijah McGuire as sort of that chess piece yeah. where he's more of a valuable NFL player than a fantasy player. The Jets have the Jets are developing some talent on offense there, and I, I, I can't see Thomas Rawls fitting in the picture, but – I could also see Thomas Rawls getting picked up by somebody like the Bills and trying to show that he's still got something left. But, you know, injuries have also, uh, you know, quickly taken a toll on him in his career. He's, he's, he's already gotten hurt a bunch of times. Yeah. No, that's and you true. worry not only did that hurt his on-field production, but just when he runs last year, it's just like you didn't see the same burst out of the backfield right. that, he, that he had in 2015. Yeah, it's tough. Like, you know, uh, a guy like Rawls, who is supposed to be, like you mentioned, this kind of uh, violent runner a little bit, but he's not – he doesn't have the, si- the the size to make up for that. I do remember, Scott, because I had him on my team. It was towards the end of a season, about three years ago, I would say, where I think he had back-to-back like 200-yard games almost, Scott, right? Or something where he – I remember one yeah. game he had like 30 carries, and they started thinking that he had the potential to be a little mini beast mode for them, but it never fully realized a lot of it because of injury. People were – Always thinking he could be the guy. Never really showed himself last I year. Got a chance to hang on with the Mets. I mean, with 2000, Jets. 
with the 2016, I remember he was getting drafted in the first and yeah. second round. Yep. People thought he was the the, the next coming of Beast the heir apparent of Beast Mode. And, yeah. And and, he, and and it just it just didn't turn out because of the injuries. We looked at your running back ranks a little bit last week, but there was so much news going on with things like LaShawn McCoy, some of the interviews we had that we only got through, like, I would say the, the, the top half of your running back ranks, right? And so we understand about the workhorses. We understand about some of these new rookies that we've talked about, the Geises, the Freemans, the Ronald Jones. But honestly, Scott, I think the back half is where your draft is won, right? If you get that guy a little bit later on who's the one that pops off, you will be in position to win your leagues and win that cash. So I want to look at a little bit the bottom part of your running back ranks. And the first question I have for you is this. I see that um, Marshawn Lynch, uh, you have ranked a little bit higher than other people. And I also see that LeGarrette Blunt, you have ranked dramatically higher than other people. Similarly for a guy like CJ Anderson um, in Carolina, you're higher on these kinds of guys than others. And what do I notice about all of these guys? These guys are like the kind of bangers. They're the inside the tackle kind of early down guys. But what they also are, are going to be the undisputed goal line backs for their teams. And I'm trying to seeing a trend in your ranking, Scott. I wanted to test the theory with you. It seems to me like in this age where we have so many committees and we are in so much of a passing league that the guaranteed six points of a rushing touchdown is more solid for your fantasy like score than the rushing yards or or, or guessing who's going to get some carries or you know catches. I kind of think if you can nail these goal line backs, I'm reminded of like uh, you know Jerome Bettis all the time, four carries for like for four yards, but three touchdowns. That plays in fantasy. Is there anything to your rankings where I see some of these kind of big guys a little bit higher up than I would have anticipated? Guys like Lynch, guys like LGBT, guys like C.J. Anderson. Is that because you're hanging your hat on the rushing touchdowns, Scott? Do we have Scotty? We got the king, Scott Angle. I'm talking to him about his ranks in yeah, the running we, back. Uh, oh, there he is. Yeah, um, we don't. We don't. I don't have Lynch as high as some other people do, but you know, I kind of got him in that same tier because, you know, when you look at guys who can cash it in in the green zone, which is about from five yards or out, or you know, there's different ways to describe the green zone. I've I've heard Pro Football Focus call it like the five yard line and in because we talk about the red zone, but the green zone is where the money is made. That came from Tom Coughlin who said, for us, it's the green zone. It's not the red zone because right, right, that's right. where we make our money. But I kind of like – I've heard people describe it as the area between the t- the 10, the 5, et cetera. Uh, you know, I've heard it used different ways. But I, I mean the area right, right near the goal line. You talk about the red zone, it's the 20 and out. You know, you can't ha- can't can the ball in the 20 and have uh, the 18 and have that to be a goal line carry. But I, 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 I digress, though. It's – you know, when you're talking about these guys, like look at like Aaron Blunt. You know, he's going back with Matt Patricia, who's from New England, right? And mm-hmm. what? And Bob Quinn, the GM, has said this team we wanted to be tough. We wanted to be more physical. No team was was worse in the red zone last year than the Lions. They are looking to change that last culture few years. with with a guy like like Garrett Blunt. And to me, he's going to be the finisher for them. I like Carrion Johnson, but he runs very upright and maybe is not made for that goal line role. We talk about LeGarrette Blunt getting in the end zone. That's six points there. To your right. point, that's as much as 60 rushing yards. 
I saw that uh, you had a chance to spend a couple of minutes with Mike Tomlin yourself. He's talking about big news potentially before this 4 o'clock deadline as it relates to Lev Bell. Uh, I saw you talking to Mike Tomlin yourself, Steelers coach. What, uh, what was that all about? Did you get any intel for us, Jake? Yeah, it was the same event. It was the Hampton Roads yeah. Youth Football. That's, that's what they're referring to when they're talking about the Hampton Roads Fox uh, Wavy TV 10 affiliate. It's the, same, yeah. it's the same event. So, yeah, I got to talk to him and Michael Vick. So tell me about it. Like, what are the no, biggest takeaways? No, you have to listen to on target. No. Oh, I, look at yeah. this. He is short shrifting the listeners of Roto Experts in the morning, saving it all, saving it all for on target. Okay, fair enough. Let me, let me try and get at it this way. You tune met- in tomorrow. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll, we'll tune in. Maybe, maybe you'll be a little bit of, able to divulge it after the world premiere uh, on, on target. There is the buzz coming out of this, though. Uh, you know, the public record, shall we say, not straight from Jake Seeley, is that it seems like he's comfortable or confident. He said something like, there may be big news today as it relates to kind of Le'Veon Bell and that contract. All I'm going to ask you is, after that kind of conversation, are you also um, confident or uh, believing that things will be fine on the Le'Veon Bell front? Oh, I didn't even ask him about Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was while he was on stage getting oh, – he actually okay. – he asked he asked some questions from fans, actually. And, of course, everybody asked him the same thing. Actually, That's what fans are going to ask him, right? Yeah, the ABC affiliate here, the Wavy affiliate here, the CBS – everybody asked the same damn question to start off with, and that's one of the reasons that people said that I got more from him than anybody's ever seen anybody get from him because he's such a coach speak and he takes pride in that. But maybe just because I was from the fantasy realm, maybe because I didn't come at him with the same questions he gets right. asked by by everyone, that's what you'll find out about tomorrow. It has nothing to do. I didn't even ask him about Le'Veon Bell because I don't care. Like, I, we've talked about it on the show. I don't care if he doesn't play. I'll tell you the one thing he did say that the only that I did notice when he was going through that whole conversation with everybody. Yeah, you have that report that you saw on the other sites and stuff like that. That you know the Wavy TV Ten report and all that type of stuff. I don't think that he knows anything more than anything else. He said he's hopeful. He's hopeful that they got something worked out. He knows that it's the same thing they're going through last year or whatever, that something big could happen today. Well, yeah, of course. If he gets a contract today, something big I mean, is going to happen today. Today's the deadline. Today. Today's right. the deadline, so it's either going to happen today or it's not. Yeah, and if it doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen today. But right. the one thing that he said is the same thing I've always been saying. He says he doesn't need to practice. He doesn't want need, like, athletically. He said, mm-hmm. but he does want him to practice mentally. There's a whole different thing of having your mind set to this is what you're waking up in the morning doing everything. Every single day for the entire day, getting back with the team, getting back with the playbook. It's just like a, a mental factor that he wants him to practice, but he knows Le'Veon Bell, he doesn't, Le'Veon Bell doesn't need to practice. We were talking about your ranks um, that we can find in the exclusive edge package. We've, we've talked a little bit about your quarterback ranks, your running back ranks, and your wide receiver ranks already. You know, maybe we'll revisit them a little bit further on in the summer after, you know, you've had time to adjust them based on when we start hitting training camp and things like that. And we see what kind of position battles are starting to heat up. But in the meantime... Scotty, I want to look at your tight end ranks, okay? And you can find these over on rotoexperts.com in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Don't forget about entering the promo code THEKING at checkout. And if you want to talk to us about them anytime here, uh, Monday through Friday, bright and early in the morning, the number to call is 844-843-6879. Scotty, when I look at the tight ends this year, um, it seems like people are describing a clear tier at the top that are three tight ends, right? 
You got Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, and Zach Ertz. I see that you have them as well in the same order, Gronk, Kelsey, and Ertz. Talk to me. Do you also believe that this is a clear tier, that the three of themselves have distinguished themselves as the elite tight end, and then there is a gap to whoever you have at, say, you know, tight ends four through eight? Uh, I think I think it's Gronk and Kelsey, and then, uh, you know, I struggle with whether Ertz is, you know, whether he has he has the track record to have that longevity yet, but then mm. again, how how can you how can you doubt what he's going to do if he stays healthy again with either quarterback? So ultimately, I come to the decision that he he is in that tier. Okay, so let me ask you something about Ertz, though, okay? Because I agree with you. And this this coming from – I have shares of Ertz all over the place. Ertz is, in fact, the tight end that got me to a championship in my dynasty league last year with Le'Veon Bell, who I uh, also so mentioned. You're biased. Yeah, I got it. I, but yeah. no, I'm going to actually give you an argument of why he does not – belong in that tier and that's what i'm saying coming from an owner uh, an owner of him so trying to not share bias look, look at the last three years of zach Ertz, okay and I, I remember some of the injuries in there but he played 14 or 15 games in this last three years reception scott 75 78 74 seems pretty consistent right, right. yards 853 816 824 seems pretty consistent right i like right. that look at touchdowns though scotty over the last three years 2015, two touchdowns. 2016, four touchdowns. Last year, Scotty, eight touchdowns. I think that is the big difference. If you put him at four touchdowns last year, he goes behind Delaney Walker, behind Evan Ingram in terms of the rankings, right? So here's my question. On an offense that Philadelphia has that we talk about is so strong and has so many options, okay? Jeffrey, Ajayi now, Carson Wentz even running. You know, we have Mike Wallace as a deep threat now, Aguilar. We talk about all the running backs. How can we expect Zach Ertz to once again get that many touchdowns, especially if that's the critical linchpin to him being in this tier? I'm almost worried, Scott, that, you know, he goes back down to five touchdowns and that all of a sudden makes him not worth the ADP of being in this tier with the elite three tight ends. Am I crazy? Yeah, but you can't say what if he scored only four touchdowns last year. Well, I'm saying because he hasn't. Like, that was an outlier. Because he didn't. He didn't. It's, 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 you know, I think the career is too short. You know, the track record is too short to call it an outlier. And, you know, you want to give it to Travis Kelsey. When Travis Kelsey, he scored four touchdowns in 2016. And he scored five in each of his first two years. And you could, you could say the same thing about Travis Kelsey, that okay. last year was an outlier. And you also have to look at the fact that the quarterbacking was way better last year hmm. than the previous two seasons. And you have to project ahead, not behind. Okay, fair enough. I'm just saying, you know, like the receptions look the same. The yards look the same. The touchdowns are changing. We do talk about, Scott, generally speaking in fantasy, how touchdowns are kind of flighty and it's not something from year to year you want to depend on. I'm just saying that that could be the case with Ertz. And it's not like the Eagles don't have other options that can score points for the Super Bowl champions. Yeah, but they have a very powerful offense, and sure. you can't project it back backwards two years ago when the quarterback situation wasn't as good as it is now.
I thought it was curious. You know, sometimes teams have these leaks, you know, and kind of create the narrative out there in the press. I thought it was curious, Jake, that on this same day, there was a lot of buzz and a couple of beat reporters talking about how strong James Conner looked in spring practices and that he has the ability. I think the quote was like, he can be a solid every down back in this league. And so I just think it's interesting timing how when the contract negotiations are not, you know, kind of crossing the finish line after a deadline uh, that they're still starting to talk up, kind of hype the other guy in the running back room who maybe could be an heir apparent down the road. Let me ask it to you this way. Jake, if you're a Lev Bell owner, let's say in a dynasty league, and I ask because, oh, I am, um, is James Conner one of those handcuffs that you should uh, really try to target, but, you know, contract situation, injury history, or even potentially as a starting back for the Steelers next year. Talk to me about James Conner. I I don't think you should at all, actually. I'm selling high on James Conner. I said the same thing last night on Twitter. I'd sell high. The fact is, is James Conner, in my opinion, is not somebody that's capable of being a lead running back in the NFL. I think Mm -hmm. that he's fine, and I think it's a great story. I think he does have some talent. But I, I would sell high because people are going crazy right now in Dynasty, and that's when you need to sell high. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity that they could have this next season. And the draft alone, the draft is going sure. to have players. You could go, hey, if Michigan State has one in L.J. Scott, they could get another Michigan State running back <laughs> if they want you know, I would love to see Montgomery fall them, but I don't think it's going to happen. I mentioned they could get Harris from Alabama. They could get Anderson from Oklahoma. I mean, there's, there's options in the draft next year that they could get if that are better suited and better fits for the NFL and for this team. So I think Connor's fine in what he is, and I just think he's a career backup. So people are probably going to give you RB2 value in Dynasty, and I'd sell immediately mm. if so. Interesting, Jake. Maybe I should do that. I do, in fact, have him uh, for this idea just in case something were to happen with Lev Bell. But uh, maybe I should think about selling high on them. Thanks, Jake, for the insight. That's why you're the number one accuracy ranker in the business. Jake, listen, training camps for rookies are opening uh, somewhere, some places this week. Veterans will be reporting some, somewhat next week. So that means people are out there talking again, okay? And there are a couple teams where I saw some uh, news and notes and buzz that I want to get your thoughts on. The first is the Philadelphia Eagles. They were talking in Philly a little bit yesterday. I saw buzz on one guy that was uh, kind of trending positively and one guy that wasn't necessarily trending negatively, but words of caution. In Philadelphia, uh, I heard one report that says that Jay Ajayi may be in line for more carries this year. Uh, We understand Darren Sproles is there, so we talked about him a little bit yesterday, I believe, as well, when we did the Philadelphia Eagles. We talked about what that means for Corey Clement, so I would love to get your take on uh, the running back room there in Philly. We talked about this yesterday, I acknowledge, but this idea that maybe Ajayi may get a bump in carries. And then on the flip side, Doug Peterson is saying that he is unsure if Carson Wentz will be ready for week one. Now, in your to your point, Jake, all the reports we've seen so far have been positive. We've seen like, you know, Instagram workout videos and things of that nature. He's not saying that he won't be ready for week one. Peterson is just more saying like, this will be up to the medical staff, blah, blah, blah. Um, so talk to me about these two bits of news. Does it change any of your expectations? One, about the availability of Carson Wentz. And two, I would say about what is Corey Clement's role if, in fact, Jay Ajayi gets more carries and we know that Darren Sproles has a nice little niche carved out in the passing game, Jake? 
Well, no, we talked about the running backs yesterday. Nothing's changed. Yeah. It's the same, it's same okay. exact thing that we talked about yesterday. There's nothing. No, no, so no, hearing that Ajayi may get more carries no. isn't going to. No. no. Okay. I told you yesterday, it's, it's Doug Peterson doesn't go with a bell cow. He never has. I'm not right. going to. No. Nothing's going to change. Oh. And we get week three of the preseason. Maybe we'll talk then, but nothing's changing. I don't care what somebody says today and somebody says tomorrow. We do this every damn offseason. Not you. It's just we do this oh, all no. the time. We, we have everything we sit there and we project going forward. And then all these beat reporters that I continue to say no jack squat more than we do they're projecting their what they think just as much as we are and if we get caught up in it every single year and people make mistakes in fantasy because they're listening to beat reporters who are trying to make guesses just like we are and you know what sometimes we know more sometimes they know more but the fact is is I'm not changing anything as of today with Carson Wentz we've always kind of expected this we've always the worst case scenario is he's not ready until week three best case scenario is ready week one but as I continue to say the same thing with like a Jameis Winston, his situation is a little tougher because his bye week is right at the beginning of the season. So it's technically almost like it's four games only, but, but you're missing four to the first five weeks. So he's not draftable really, but the point being is it's easier to find a replacement at the beginning. Like I'm still going to draft Carson Wentz in the eighth round. If he's there, I, I can manage a quarterback for the first two weeks. I can play Dak Prescott for two weeks. Right. You play Ryan Fitzpatrick for two weeks. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe even no, if you I'll play this to, back never know. for two weeks. Part of the reason that Segura, like you mentioned, the Segura enthusiasm, the bat flip and all that, his excitement for the three-run homer, it was off Josh Hader. And there are reports out there that part of the reason why that all that big excitement happened was because they stuck it to this guy that they just discovered was out there on social media in his past being racist and homophobic and that sort of thing. There are a ton of tweets. Josh Hader addressed it after the game. What do you say about this stuff, Scott? It, well, I know. Take a I, deep I, breath. I, I, I know. I, I, we got to be careful I, I here. Think, I think you got to give, give Hader, you know, a little bit of leeway here for, hmm. you know, I was 17 years old kind of thing. I mean, we've all done dumb things is Yeah, but Scott, teenagers. here's the thing. It wasn't when he was 17 years old. It's come out already. There was, t- there was tweets from 2016. Okay, that was really? he wasn't 17 years old then, okay? Literally using the N-word, literally a, a like one-sentence tweet, I hate gay people from 2016. That one was from 2016? I believe so. I saw it earlier this morning. Or with the N-word the and stuff. I, there I was... Thought- I, I he said it was from seven years ago. He said it was from seven years ago. I'm going to go. I will, I'll bring it up right now um, as we're talking about it. Um, but regardless, okay, whether it's from seven years ago or not, that sort of thing. Go, keep, keep going. I'll bring it up, though. I mean, it is abhorrent what he said. But, you know, if you know, that's not who he is today and he's learned his lesson. You know, that- Josh Hader, June, January 2016. Hey, Trayvon, hey, hey, Trayvon Martin peeps, rally all you want. He ain't coming back. Perhaps you should not worry about the N-words and feel for real innocent people being gunned down in Chicago. January 2016. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at more. Some were from 2011 to 2012, uh, but, you know, 2016 as well. That's not seven years ago, Scotty. And that was the one from two thousand. Was that was the only one from two thousand sixteen, or were, were there other uh, ones? I'm I'm scrolling down right now to look at some of these, you know. Uh, but there are some from two thousand sixteen as well. I mean, but regardless, okay. I let's, mean, if let's, it's from two thousand sixteen, you know, and he's covering a sensitive subject with an aggressive tone like that, you know, you just have to wonder. And then, 
you know, let's let's take the fantasy spin on this. You know, do sure. you not want Josh Hader on your fantasy team because of this? Ah, remember we talked about this, Scotty. Remember we talked about this with the, like, LaShawn McCoy thing? Remember that was the question I asked, like the poll question? Can you emotionally divorce yourself from the character of these guys? Remember, that was the exact question we asked last week. You know, so like you're saying, do, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? You think this matters to people? Because he is putting out lights-out ratios and numbers. I know people who won't watch the NFL anymore until Colin Kaepernick gets reinstated. Interesting. Interesting. So, and here's – go ahead. Yeah, so that there are people that exist like this. So I think I do think it's interesting, Scotty. And let's remember, okay, in last year's World Series, right? Remember, Yuri Gurriel, after going yard off of you, Darvish, made kind of, uh, you know, shall we say, insensitive uh, faces or gestures, that sort of thing. He got suspended by Major League Baseball for five games that were served at the beginning of this season. Uh, do you think there could be discipline on the horizon for Josh Hader? Uh, for what amounts I, 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 I don't, I, I don't think so because a lot of these hmm. tweets are from from the past. But you never okay. know for sure. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it is it such is. a sensitive time here that sometimes you know, Major League Baseball may want to, I don't know, uh, make a point here. I'm not sure either. I don't know how it goes, but it is definitely news out there. And uh, I don't know how I, I don't know how Major League Baseball is going to react. Yeah, um, I. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the tweets there, and, yeah. you know, I'm seeing some of the ones from 2016, yeah. you know, that are very, like, you know, sexually laced and stuff like that. Sure. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, two years ago was very close. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not – he was he yeah. uh, in front of his locker. In front of his locker last night, you know, he was making the point that, oh, I was a teenager. Oh, I was young and stupid. Similar to kind of – was it Josh Allen, I think, who also in the NFL draft, stuff like this kind of came up, that in his past he had tweets like this. I think it was Josh Allen. I apologize if I'm yeah. getting that wrong. Um, but do you remember that, Scott? Wasn't there someone – wasn't there someone in the NFL yeah. draft who also yep. there was tweets like yes, this? Was Josh Allen? Okay. Um, and, you know – Hater is in front of his locker, and, you know, hey, he's taking his medicine. I, uh, you know, uh, that's the professional thing to do. But what he's saying is that it's when he was young and dumb, you know, when he was a teenager, that it was seven years ago, trying to minimize it. It sounds like you're looking at some of them now. Scotty, 2016 was not when he was a teenager. It was not seven years ago. No, it, <laughs> it, it wasn't. So... <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. Um, so I think this is a very interesting thing. And, Scotty, if you're looking at it, keep on checking. Maybe you'll see that clip of literally Gene Segura and Nelson Cruz staring at their phone in the dugout. Literally, if you go uh, hater tweets on Twitter, the first thing that comes up, at least for me, is like Segura and Nelson Cruz literally staring at this cell phone and then looking out in the mound when Josh Hader is on the mound. And they're kind of like, whoa. That's weird. You know, so uh, I encourage you to check that out. We'll see. I do think there is the potential here for Josh Hader to face some discipline from Major League Baseball. Let me put a positive spin on things now. now okay, go ahead. You know, this is a lesson, I think, to all young people who are coming up and playing professionally, uh, have the potential to play professional Scrub sports. your social media yeah. past. Yes. You know, just be <laughs> careful about what you say. And... You know, for me, this week is going to be a very proud moment because on a, on Thursday at a, at Arm & Hammer Stadium, which is the home of the, the Trenton Thunder, mm. uh, they're having the Best in the Northeast Showcase. Okay. Uh, 
on uh, the 18th and the 19th. Uh, basically, it's uh, it's training and scouting sessions for for the top, some of the top high school players in the Northeast. And okay. uh, my my nephew Joseph Brown, who plays uh, pitcher and shortstop, is going to be involved in, in the, the showcase. The Northeast showcase uh, uh, tomorrow and uh, tomorrow and Thursday. That's awesome. And so, do me a favor. Tell your nephew, don't hit send. Um, Josh Hader, who, by the way, has had a truly dominant season, 89 strikeouts and 48 innings pitched, a 1.5 ERA, a whip below .8 at .79. He's the victim of the three-run homer for Gene Segura. But I don't know if you saw because you were, you know, working at the same time, Jake. But uh, two things. One, there's literally a clip in the dugout of Gene Segura and Nelson Cruz before this at-bat where they're, like, staring at a cell phone. And I was watching the game live. I was like, huh, that's weird. They got a cell phone in the dugout. Didn't think much of it because, you know, all the players were, like, wearing their chains and stuff stuff. Francisco Lindor even made the point like, you know, we don't, we don't prep. We don't do film studies, stuff like that. We can wear chains. It's a different, it's an exhibition, but they're looking at this phone and maybe they were looking at the tweets that won earn earth by Josh Hader. He says seven years ago when he was young upon further inspection, some of these came as late as 2016, this idea of kind of, you know, racist, homophobic tweets that are out there. Um, I'm reminded of Yuri Gurriel in the World Series after his gestures hitting the home run off of Yu Darvish. He got five games. Jake, what's your reaction to this? Uh, and do you think Hater might face any discipline from the league? I honestly couldn't tell you. I have no idea if they're going to oh, really? discipline. So, no, I mean, I, I don't know what baseball is going to do with this situation. Oh. This is Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, I mean, this happened years ago. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't tell you one way or another. I just, you know, whatever, he apologized for it. Moved on from it. I mean, if they want to suspend him, if he wants, I don't know. He said he's ready for whatever that they, they throw down. And so if they do, they do. I just, I don't know. I just, I think honestly, we're spending a hell of a lot too much time on it. I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but people make mistakes to do stupid things all the time. And we, we need to be smarter as a country for every side of things, whether you're white, black, Mexican, you know, Puerto Rican, I don't care. Australian. I don't care what race you are. Everybody needs to be smarter and more intelligent about the, you know, respecting other people's cultures and backgrounds and stuff like that. But at the same time, he's not the first person to slip up and say something stupid and he won't be the last. Yeah, this is true. And, you know, the, and we talked about it a little bit last hour with Scott. I think the other thing, the other takeaway from this, wherever you, wherever you fall kind of on your beliefs on the political landscape, whatever the case may be, I'm not, I'm not here to, uh, you know, kind of detail and critique society. But here's what I do think. Here's what I do think is important. You know, we saw this leading up to the draft, the NFL draft with Josh Allen, I believe it was as well, Jake. We've seen other examples where literally at the like highest leverage point of your career, something gets dropped from social media. I'm reminded even back in the day, uh, not so back in the day, a couple of years ago, remember Laramie Tunsil was going to be, was primed to be the number one overall pick. And then literally like 15 minutes before the draft, a video from social media surfaced. I think, you know, I'm reminded of Herman Edwards, right? When he goes to these kind of uh, ex, uh, symposiums for the rookies and he's just like, don't hit send. I think to be honest, that is one of the biggest things here. Jake, you know, these kids, these millennials who grew up on social media have to understand that their social media profiles are just like talking into a microphone these days at a press conference. And you really have to almost like scrub your social media past because those things are going to come back at you, Jake. I think there is a kind of like lesson learned or additional warning for other athletes and kids coming up these days. You have to treat social media like it's a, uh, 
You know, like it's a press conference also, Jake, you know? No, it's, that's, that's a fine point. I'm not going to disagree with you. Jake, I have used the bathroom at the W Hotel in Scottsdale. Um, and they let me. It was no kind of problem. You know, uh, it's a beautiful place. It's very nice. I did a little pool party action up there. Shout out to my man Joel Teitelman out there. Um, not the case for Ricky Seals-Jones. Arizona Cardinals tight end was trying to, you know, got to go, you got to go. But apparently then he tried to go in a restaurant in the hotel or whatever, wind up getting in a physical altercation with like the bouncer or the security guard. Uh, this is interesting. Also uh, coming off... Uh, you know, I hear a promo, Jake, as we use it as a commercial, where you and uh, our guy, the fantasy executive, were already given the king, Scott Angle, a little bit of grief because you guys thought he overpaid for Ricky Seals-Jones in an auction. Not thought. He did. All right. Well, there you go. And that, this, may, this news may compound that. Well, what's your read on this situation? I think the problem here, Jake, as, and we've discussed this, the NFL is so inconsistent that I have no way to read the tea leaves on this one, but I'm going to let you try. What do you think happens out of, as a result of this, what we hear from Ricky Seals-Jones? No, it's the same thing. Like you said, there's no way to know. I mean, if you read the account, too, it's, he shoved them in the shoulder one hand. It wasn't even like – it was kind of one of those probably, you know, get off me type of things or just right. get out of my way. This is the thing is it's getting so annoying nowadays with all this stuff, with, you know, all these situations of you know, go back to Foster and stuff like that. This one, you know, obviously something happened. This isn't making up a story. But at the same time, really, we have to charge him with assault? Like, really, it's assault? Like, assault? Like, definitely people should be – if it's assault, please call the cops. Please put the people in jail. Please have them arrested. No problem with that. But you, giving you a little shove on the shoulder to get out of my way because I'm trying to go to the bathroom, like, I've – I've shoved people in the shoulders in New York when they won't respect the, the like the the area on the sidewalk, thinking they own the entire sidewalk that's got 17 people trying to walk side by side on it, and they give you the shoulders shove, and I give them the shove back. It's like, so. Wait, you're gonna call assault on me? Like that? And that's my point. It's like really, this is what we're doing now. Scott Angle and Spitting Statistician Scotty. I don't know, man. I don't know if you heard the commercial, but these guys were already giving you stuff about Ricky Seals-Jones in the auction, like spending whatever it was, $15 for him, and um, unfortunately compounding that with the issue that took place in Scottsdale yesterday. RSJ may be facing some discipline from the league, but then again, you never know, and that is because of the inconsistency. You don't. You don't, and I wanted Seals-Jones. I aggressively overbid for them. They disagree. You know, that's their right, you know, and uh, – you know, if Corey wants to, you know, clown it out to be entertaining, that's fine. He said, <laughs> I can't add. Well, you know, here's some math for you, Corey. We've played each other 15 times, one-on-one. I've won 10. You've won five. You you do the math about who's twice is better. Woo! Yeah. Spitting hot fire there. Yeah. Hey, Chris Bavona down there in the fantasy pit of misery. Uh, dilly dilly to you, my friend. Do me a favor. Yeah. You got to clip that. And whatever commercial is played about these guys giving my man El Rey de Fantasia any kind of grief, you got to make sure that that's a clip that's played right after that in response, head to head all time. My man Scott Angle has a 667 yeah, you winning percentage. You don't, you, against don't the come, you don't come at the king and not Oof. pay for it. You know, come at the king. It's, 
Best not come uh, to King and Miss. Also, also, uh, Corey. Uh, Ooh, you, we're going you hard want, here. You you want some more math? Uh, you Ooh. got zero. You got zero dollars for li- for winning the flex two years ago. I won the GST, and I can definitely add up my three grand. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. We talking stacks, yeah. baby. Scotty yeah. Angle tells you what it's really about, and yeah. it's about us here at the Fantasy Sports Radio Network helping you win your leagues and win that cash. I heard you guys. I heard the commercial. You and my man, the fantasy executive, Corey Parson, giving Scott Angle a little bit of heat because he went ahead and got Ricky Seals-Jones. I mean, Scott's not having a good one. You know, he, he drafted LaShawn McCoy in the Scott Fishbowl League like hours before the news broke on McCoy last week. He apparently, uh, you know, bought Ricky Seals-Jones. Many people would say he maybe overpaid for them in the beginning anyway, and then this news comes down. Uh, Scott, though, responding to Corey Parsons. What do you think about the King uh, getting a little hot and bothered there about this? What do you think there, Jake? Well, that's fine. If you want to fire back, it doesn't change the fact that you shouldn't have spent $15 on Ricky Seals-Jones. Fair enough. Let me ask you something, because you do the Flex League, right, Jake? Yeah. He was, uh, he was talking about how he didn't get any, any, any cash, any cheddar, any, uh, any cold hard cash because of the Flex League, but he got his stacks from GST. He got his three grand. Is, uh, is, the Flex, is Flex not a money league? No, it's a small money league. I got you. Okay, so he so he actually did get money, but it wasn't that much. But that's not the point of the flex leagues. The point of the flex leagues is to get the best of the best in the industry together, similar to tout wars in baseball. Right. So that's why it has the prestige it does, and it's also just about getting together and hanging out with each other once a year because a lot of us don't get to see each other, and it's a way to connect for the weekend. Yeah, absolutely, and you know that is the beauty of all fantasy sports, right? It's about that camaraderie. So many people do this with maybe friends from high school or whatever, and they've moved across the country, across the world. You know, the funny part, Jake, is in some of my home leagues, the hardest part is finding out a draft time because we have to also, you know, accommodate people that live in, you know, London or in, you know, Seoul, South Korea, how fantasy sports really bring people together. You're talking yep. about that being the kind of uh, gist of any league. I completely agree. Well, it, it, you know what? Honestly, if if he if he wants, I could find a replacement for Scott in the flex leagues. If Ooh, he you, if he doesn't think it's prestigious enough, listen, I mean, Scott, listen, Jake. You know, I've been clamoring to get into more expert leagues here too. Oh, let me ask you this, Dane. If you're playing in a home league and your pot yeah. is twenty thousand dollars, sure. Does that make your competition immediately better than the best of the best in the experts, just because it's more no. money? Not no, necessarily. That's, that's a, no, that's a. It, it could. I mean, there, there's a. That's what I'm saying. Not necessarily. It. Maybe. Maybe it, not. It, does, it doesn't. No, it doesn't more necessarily stakes, make it more competitive more either. Competitive, right. It makes it more exactly and more stakes. That's a crutch argument that because there's more money, it's best. That's what Medica used to do. What the NFFC is definitively better than everything else because right. it's more money. No. I have to take this time on the Roto Experts in the morning to respond. Oh boy! To yeah, I heard a little bit executive. of Corey Parson coming back yeah. at you. Uh-oh, yeah, you know what? what? You got to say to that, Scotty. Corey was very emotional because the truth hurts. You know, you, you can hear it in his voice, and mm. Corey's the one that cannot add. I, you know, I didn't have a, a five-year championship drought. It was like a three-year championship drought. But, you know, as a Dallas Cowboy fan, he knows all too well about long championship droughts of that has-been franchise that is no longer America's team, that is the Patriots. But the facts are, no matter what Corey says, he has lost two-thirds of every game against me every time. And in the one league that we play together for big money, I took down our league and the overall, and he has yet to make the playoffs in two seasons with only eight wins 
over two years. So when I play with Corey Parson in the same league, when I play with him, he gets scared and he falls apart. So, you know, that that's what he does. As far as the Craig Carton League goes, you know, uh, you know, I really don't care about that, you know, for the record. Just because Craig Carton puts his name on a league, it doesn't mean that, that that's all of a sudden the end all of be all of leagues. Uh, you know, I, if I have $1,000 to drop, it's not going to be in that league. I don't care what Craig Carton has to say about who's an expert and who's not an expert because, you know, he's not, you know, that's, that that's not a that's not an area where he's qualified enough to make a judgment. Now look, I have a ton of respect for Craig and what he accomplished, and you know we got a long way back. But just because it's his league, if somebody doesn't want to play in it, doesn't mean he's not an expert. He doesn't make those calls. You know, as much as I love Chrissy Bones and stuff like that, and you know you got a league with with, with guys like Bones and Mike Cardano. How how is that an expert league? It's just it's Craig Carton's personal league, and that's it. And, you know, as, as, far, as far as Corey goes, you know, the numbers are the facts. He's 5-10 and 10 against me all time. I took down the GST. I have a ton of titles over the years. I have nothing to prove to him, and I raised him in this fantasy business. So he needs to realize who his daddy is. Woo! Uh, Bavona, that was a little bit longer than a 30-second drop. But I'm sure the fantasy executive will hear that at some point. You can cut that point. up if you like. I'm sure the fantasy executive will hear that at some point. Corey, the uh, the ball is officially in your they're, court, brother. They're man. at least probably you know 11. Shan, you know what I'm least, saying, Corey? Yeah, there are probably at least a thousand <laughs> other leagues that I consider more important than Craig Carton's league. Nothing Ooh. personal against Craig, but uh, you know, just because he's starting the league doesn't mean it has any luster. Fair enough, fair enough. Other than, other than his name behind it. The King spitting hot fire here. Weekdays, 7 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers.